Hello, friends, and welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I'm excited to host again today. My name is Kristen Carey. And if you haven't already, you might want to go back and listen to part one of my interview with Dr. Carl Lehman of The Emanuel Approach. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I think you'll just find this one equally as encouraging as I get to talk to Dr. Lehman about this revolutionary inner healing modality called the Emanuel Approach. And in the beginning of this particular podcast, you're going to hear Dr. Lehman talk about one of his Emanuel experiences that he had with a client of his who was struggling with sexual addiction. And the way that Jesus shows up for this man is breathtaking. So I hope you'll find this whole episode encouraging. And here is Dr. Lehman. So I had a guy who was struggling with sexual addiction, sexual behavior. And one of his memories that he was so ashamed of was going to a strip bar. So here he's in the strip bar, just feeling horrible shame. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I can promise you this will be better if you can connect with Jesus. So I want you to invite Jesus to be there with you and ask him to help you receive your presence. Well, the guys, are you insane? Like, I'm, I'm already feeling unbearable shame being in this horrible place. You want me to have like the perfect, pure, white robe lamb of God standing there watching me? I mean, I, did some, Dr. Lehman, you're an idiot. And I, so I, I can't remember what I did exactly that I, you know, I coaxed him. I, I worked, I did some troubleshooting to figure out a plan where he'd be willing to just try just to let Jesus show up for a moment. So he said, finally, I, and I can't even remember what I did, but I, I coaxed him somewhere or another to just try it. Would you be willing just to try letting Jesus be yeah. with you? So we, we do that prayer. And he just started sobbing. And, you know, for maybe a minute, you know, eventually he's able to talk again. I say, well, hey, what's, what's happening? And he says, um, Jesus is right here beside me. And he said, yeah, you know, this is not the best way to, to care for your loneliness. I mean, yeah, I want to talk about the strip bar. And that's, you know, I, there's a better way to take care of your loneliness. But what really hurts me when you do this is that you don't let me come with you. Oh. Yes, what really, Jesus is saying, what really hurts me when you go to the strip bar is that you don't let me be with you there. You're so ashamed that you push me away. So there's an example. This guy couldn't perceive Jesus because he's thinking, if I let Jesus be here, I'm going to feel worse. And when we, we kind of talked about that and addressed that, and he, okay, you can name that, okay, Jesus, I'm afraid I'll feel even more shame if you're here. You know, we, we focus the problem, oh, I'm afraid it'll be even worse. I, I, you're going to be upset with me. You're going to judge me. You're going to be disgusted with me. You know, we named all those fears. And he said, okay, Jesus, I can't, even, I can't see you yet, but just in faith, here are my fears. Here are the blockages. Name them out loud. Ask Jesus for help. And then something kind of shifted enough. I'm actually remembering it now as I'm talking. And just naming the fears. Yeah. directly to Jesus and asking for help, the fear came down enough that he was willing to try it. So the blockage, he was afraid, Jesus is going to be disgusted with me. It's going to feel worse. I don't want him to be here. Well, guess what? If you're afraid to let him be there and you don't want him to be there, you're not going to perceive his presence. Right, because he's not going to force himself on you. It, exactly. We focused that blockage, got words for it. He, I, co- I helped him talk directly to Jesus about it and asked for help. That moved. He was, and then as soon as he became willing to let Jesus be there, bam, Jesus is sitting next to him and they have this profound interaction. Wow. 
Very That's cool. incredible. Oh. I love that. I love how when you experience Jesus in these ways, all of our religious stiff stereotypes of him get blown out of the water. Jesus is not like oh, what we think he is. <laughs> he is so, so, so here's awesome. So here's a fun story. I was, I was doing a manual prayer with a young guy who actually I, I, I've known him his whole life. He actually is in the same church community as me. And you know, he had... It's sad. It's it's sad how easy it is for well-meaning Christians to communicate a view of God that is not good news to a child, especially. Yeah. And he had, I mean, just the way different things that kind of all make sense about interactions with his parents and with the church and just his places where he had struggles and and the way he and, and like there's stuff in scripture that's not written for children. You know, it's it's really there's stuff in scripture that's really R-rated. And yeah. There's just, there's just all kinds of ways that especially a child can be confused and frightened by the way Christianity is presented in church. Right. So he, I mean, he didn't come to me. He came to me because he was miserable and he trusted me. He actually wasn't a Christian. He, he had, he had, he had left the faith because it was such a negative experience. So I explained, Hey, well, here's what I want to do. And I know you don't even believe this. And we had to talk about a bunch of his fears before we even got started. I mean, all these fears kind of go in, but we kind of navigated all that stuff. And finally I was able to help him actually encounter the real Jesus. I mean, after, you know, a bunch of troubleshooting for all his fears. And finally he was able to experience like in our prayer time, he kind of sensed the the real living presence of Jesus right in the room with him. And, and we had a, a whole session of him kind of interacting with Jesus and we get done he looks up at me and says, Carl, this is actually good news. This is, this is actually good news. <laughs> it's like his experience of Christianity as a child had been so negative. He had actually left the faith. And he spent an hour with the real, living, wonderful, gentle, wise, loving. Oh, just the real living Jesus is just so crazy, amazing, wonderful. Yeah. We did. We got to the end of that session. He looks at me and says, this, this God, like the Jesus that shows up in the prayer time here, he's, this is totally, he's totally different than the God. I, I thought like, this is totally different than who I thought God was. This is actually good news. And I was like, yes. Yes, it is good news. <laughs> yes, it is good news. The, the truth about who Jesus really is, is just such crazy good news. In fact, every single person, I've actually had the privilege of doing this with a number of non-believers, and every single one of them, when they actually experience the real living Jesus, some form of, hey, like, I want to be a Christian. Uh-huh. Here's another fun story. I had a non-Christian who you know, came for me because he was, I can't remember what his problem was. He was you know, in terrible, terrible pain. So I just said, hey, here, this is a faith-based technique. I know you don't believe in it. I know you're an atheist. I know you, you don't believe in God, but if you're willing to try it, you know, if, if I'm wrong, nothing will happen and you'll be a little disappointed. We'll survive. But would you be willing just to try it? You know, and just say, Hey, Jesus, I don't even believe in you, but if you are real, if Dr. Lame is right, you know, I give you permission to, to be present. Well, Jesus shows up and he has this wonderful interaction with Jesus. Actually it happened for a couple of sessions. We did, we did, well, the first time, you know, it, it, he was like, wow, this is amazing. And after the second or third session, he looks at me and he says, is, is this what you Christians do? Is, is this what it means to be a Christian? I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, like to talk to Jesus like this. I mean, like, is, is this what it means to be a Christian, to be able to, to have, a, have a relationship, like to, 
to see to to have a, a relationship with like to talk to Jesus like this. Is this what it means to be a Christian? And I said, well, you know, there are some other details. And I mean, there are some other pieces involved as well. But yeah, this this is supposed to be the most important part. To this actually, is the essence of it. This, this yeah, this is supposed. This this is actually the essence of a real Christian faith is to have a living experience of the friendship presence of Jesus. He's like, well, can I, can I be a Christian? I mean, oh, can, yeah. It's like, can you, will you let me in? I mean, can oh. <laughs> like, I, I would really like to be able to do this, you know, all the time. Like, get, can I be a Christian? Yeah. Oh, that is that's, so beautiful. That's, that's about as easy as it gets for evangelism. Yeah. Well, and Jesus, Jesus, as you said, is the general. He did all the work. Oh, man. He showed up. Yeah, he wants people to know him. He wants to show oh. up for us. And like, I mean, and I, I did a decent job of being the lieutenant because he had some, he had a number of blockages to even yeah. get started. So I did a decent job of being the lieutenant. But as soon as I, I mean, my job was essentially over. When I, when I got past all the blockages and he started interacting with the living presence of Jesus, I just sat back and watched. It was just, the rest of it was just, it was just sweet. I just sat back and watched. And every That's once in a while, okay, well, Jesus is still there. Keep talking to him. Well, okay, that question you just said to me, like the person, he turned to me and say something. I said, okay, well, right. That's a really good, that's a really good concern. Can you, is Jesus still there? Oh yeah. Well, just tell him, talk directly to Jesus about that. Oh, right, right. I forgot. Sorry. Like it, that's, as, that's as much as I did for the rest of the session. And at the end, okay you get to decide what we even do today jesus that's a cool piece it's a really gentle way to start like you describe that oh well pretty much everybody's willing to try that and you can say we can do that first and you can connect with jesus and that's good at that point if we say okay if he says now your panic attacks are coming from this car accident do you want to go there if you feel like in his presence with you can feel the strength and the safety of being in his presence if at that point you feel ready to go forward, you can. And if you feel like you're not ready, you just tell him no. And if you tell Jesus no, he says, okay, we'll wait. Jesus so, is not pushy. Yes. He's yes. so gentle. It's so crazy gentle. So that all those are cool pieces. And it's also a safety net. Yeah. If you if the first thing we do is that positive memory, appreciation connect with Jesus, you have it, you establish that living interactive connection in the context of a positive, grateful, safe memory. That's the first thing we do. So 15 minutes later, let's say you're a beginner and you're facilitating, this is your third session and you go for 15 minutes and then you, the person gets into some memory. You're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Any point later in the session where you're thinking this is over my pay grade. This is beyond my training. Oh my goodness. I don't want to do. You say, okay, Let's go back. Okay, time out, time out. I'm just a beginner. I'm not sure what to do here. Can we go back to Jesus? So you just say, hey, I'm not sure what to do. Let's go back to the initial positive memory. I want, okay, so we still have a half an hour left, but I want you to go back to your positive memory, close your eyes, reconnect with your positive memory. We invite Jesus again. They reconnect with Jesus in the positive memory place. And, which, and, and, they, and they say, oh, okay. Like you were sort of stuck in a, oh, I feel terrible. I'm in the, I'm in the car accident. I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah. what to do either. I'm just a beginner. Ah, okay. Let's, let's scurry back to the positive memory with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, ha, ha, I'm back in the positive memory. There we are on the camping trip. We're sitting around the campfire roasting marshmallows. There's Jesus kind of right next to me. Okay, good. 
So first of all, you're back at a safe place. So you're not, you're not stuck in the fire. Then second of all, you say, okay, now in this nice safe place, sitting around the campfire, roasting marshmallows, dear Jesus beside you, let's ask him, okay, so what just happened there? Like, we, it seemed like we were stuck. We, we got in over our heads and we kind of panicked and we didn't know what to do. So what do we do, Jesus? And he'll say, okay, well, he'll, in the calm, safe place, you ask him for help about the place where you were just stuck. And often he'll, he'll give you good advice. He'll, he'll, tell, he'll give you coaching, say, okay, oh, right, right. Okay, we can do that. And then you can go back into the traumatic memory and try it. Yeah. And oh, that worked. So you go 10 more minutes. And if you hit another bump you don't know how to handle, you scurry back to the positive memory with Jesus. Say, hey, boss, what do we do? We hit another bump we don't know how to handle. You get, you, you get some coaching from Jesus. He says, okay, go back in there and try it. So if you hit a bump during the session you don't know how to handle, it's the safety net. You, go, you yeah. run back to the positive memory with Jesus. And in that safe, comfortable context, you ask him for help. And the second piece, what's the second thing beginner, well, all therapists and ministers the thought of you, you're running out of time. I've got another client in the waiting room and we're still in a bad memory. The person's feeling terrible. And it's a, a horrible experience to say, I'm sorry, ma'am. You know, you're crying, you're panicking. You're, you're in the middle of a horrible traumatic memory. Um, time's up. Goodbye. Go home and take care of your children. Right. And you know, middle size, they're just miserable. And everybody feels horrible. And if you care about the person, it just hurts. I mean, they're in pain. It's a miserable experience. Yeah. And if they're really, really upset, it's a serious problem. I mean, they can't just yeah. walk out and function. They can't, right. they, they're supposed to go back to work, to a meeting, and they can't do it. They're supposed to go back home and take care of their children. They can't do it. I mean, that's a really, really big problem. So one of the nightmares that kind of lurks in the, in the back of the mind of any, any prayer minister who's thinking or therapist is, what about, what happens if we get stuck in a really bad place and we run out of time? And then we're like, oh, darn. Like, yeah, we're, we're up, we're up Poop Creek without a paddle. Right. So another fantastic safety net. You're 10 minutes from the end and you realize, hmm, we're still in trouble and we, I don't see the light. I mean, sometimes you're, you know, you're 10 minutes from the end and you're like, no, we're, everything's coming together. The yeah. plane is coming down, you know, three more minutes, we're going to be on the ground. Fine. But there's times where, hmm, we're 10 minutes from the end of the session, 15 minutes from the end of the session. And there's no light at the end of the time. I, I have no idea where this is going. We're kind of stuck. The person's in a bad place. You say, okay, I'm sorry, ma'am. You know, we're not going to be able to get through the, like, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not, we're not going to be able to finish processing this trauma today, but I want to get the plane back on the ground, you know, because your session's over in 15 minutes and I want you to be able to go back and take care of your kids. So we need to get the plane back on the ground. So yeah. we'll, we can work on the painful memory again next week. But for right now, I want to change gears. And we're going to, I'm going to take you back to that positive memory and help you reconnect with Jesus. Yeah. So you do that and the session ends and she's back. The plane's back on the ground. She's back at the positive memory. She's connected with Jesus and she's a little disappointed. Like, Hey, I wish we, I was hoping we were going to get to that positive, that, that traumatic memory, but she's okay. You say, okay, yeah. right. And, and next session we can start. We can, we'll work some more next session. But for right now, the plane's back on the ground. You're back at a positive memory. You're reconnected with Jesus. You're okay. You can go back and take care of your kids. So right. that safety net piece, here's a huge thing that makes it possible for lay people. Like those people that I started with, I don't know what to do. Jesus, I'm stuck. He says, back off from the traumatic memory because he knew 
They don't have capacity. They're disconnecting. The reason nothing's working is because they don't have capacity and they're disconnecting. I didn't know that yet. I filled it in later, but he did. He just told me what to do. Back off from the traumatic memory. Yeah. Help him spend time with me. So, you know, oh, the person is not able to stay connected. Time out. Let's spend more time with Jesus until you're, until you have enough capacity. He does that work. Oh, now I actually have the strength to stay connected. Okay. We got step two. Step three, you have to have your relational circuits on. So the first step two is you have to be emotionally connected to the memory. Step three is you have to be relationally connected. You have to have your relational circuits on so you can feel that you're not just totally alone in the trauma. Because yeah. a big part of trauma is I'm all by myself. I'm on my own. There's nobody here to help me, or at least nobody on my side. Right. So, okay, relational circuits. So here you are in the memory. I feel totally alone. So Jesus, we welcome you into the memory. Help her to perceive your presence. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is standing here beside me. I'm still in a horrible, bad memory, but I'm not alone there. I can, I can feel him with me. And, oh, by the way, if you can feel a person with you and you can feel that they love you and they're, they're attuning to you, like you can feel he's emotionally with me and he's glad to be with me, that will bring your relational circuits on. That's, that's another, that happens to be how your brain is designed. If you can feel Jesus's safe presence with you in the memory, that will bring your relational circuits on. Oh, so number three, your relational circuits are on. You don't feel alone anymore. Step four is how do I handle the situation in a way that feels satisfying? So you can be in a, like in medical school and as a doctor, you can do difficult situations. And so a person comes into the emergency room, they're in the middle of having delivery. They've got a complication. You know, if they, if you do it wrong, the baby will die. Whatever. And that's a really difficult, painful, scary situation. People are screaming and crying. And if you handle it well, Wow. And, and you, oh, you have a safe delivery. Mom's okay. Baby's okay. Phew. That was really scary. That was intense, but I knew how to handle it. And I kind of, I kind of, I, I, I sort of took charge. I was the doctor on call. I took charge. We got through it. We all came out. Okay. Wow. That feels really satisfying, right? It was a really difficult situation, but I knew how to get through it appropriately and it worked and we all ended up. Okay. Oh, that feels good. In contrast, a bad situation comes in and you don't know what to do. You feel inadequate. You feel incompetent. You feel overwhelmed. It turns out badly. Like that's often a part of trauma. I didn't know yeah. what to do. I felt stupid. Uh, you know, my failure caused it to turn out badly. Like, and a part of that is I'm inadequate. I screwed up. It's my fault. Now, okay, Jesus, what about that? I've seen Jesus do this. And, and, and like I told you, I, I know the steps. So I'm like, oh, there's level four. Because the person was, well, the reason this memory was so, is so painful is I feel like I don't know what to do. I feel so inadequate. In fact, that, you know, this experience happened and I felt so inadequate and I've avoided that kind of experience for the last 30 years because I don't want to have that horrible, inadequate, incompetent feeling. So the reason like this memory, the most painful part of this memory is I feel so incompetent and so inadequate. Oh, okay. So Jesus, we welcome your presence. Oh, okay. There's Jesus. And here's what Jesus did. He says, okay, he just demonstrated, this is what you could do. And this was so funny because the first time he did this, I didn't even know about that theory yet. I didn't know about the level four. Yeah. And I, I was still in Theophostic. This is, well, short summary to the listeners. I, I thought the only thing in a traumatic memory is um, uh, if you have a lie, if you, if you misinterpret the meaning. Right, right. That's, that's the whole, that's the only thing that makes a trauma trauma. And we didn't know about four, three, two, one yet. We, we just knew about yeah. level five. So 
such a fascinating session. I kept trying to like, where's the lie? Where's the lie? And see what the person was. Well, you know, I, I don't feel, I don't feel a negative interpretation. What's painful about this memory is I didn't know how to handle it. And I just feel so inadequate. So finally we said, well, I'm not sure what's going on here, but Jesus, can you help us? And she's, well, Jesus is just showing me, this is what I could have done. He's just, oh, oh my gosh. He just, oh, well, I know what to do. He, he dem- He's like, if this happened again, here's what you could do. He just demonstrated to her, which the more the brain science, the right, the right hemisphere in your brain, whose job it is to know how to handle a situation, you know, not cognitively, but just behaviorally, like the response that just kind of flows out. The most powerful way that part of your brain learns is to watch somebody else model an effective solution. Like the way that part of your brain wants to learn is show me how to do it right. Right. And that's what Jesus did. And it yeah. wasn't until months later, I, I actually learned about the brain science. Like, oh, that's what you did. I, seriously. It was later when I learned about Jim and I were hammering out all this brain science. And I was like, that's what happened in that session. This wow. was level four. What's the satisfying, you know, how do I handle a situation in a way that feels satisfying? It may still be hard, but I feel like I kept my integrity. Right. I, 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 um, I made the right choices. It was painful, but I, I made a good choice. I made a choice I feel good about. I was yeah. true to my heart and it turned out okay. And Jesus just modeled for the person, here's how to do it. Here, this is the satisfying way to handle the situation. And she said, oh, oh my goodness, I can feel that memory is not painful anymore. I mean, like I'm disappointed with how I failed, but now, now I know what to do. And I can feel like in the last three minutes, I've lost all my fear of that. I don't feel afraid of that anymore because I know what to do now. Oh, that's cool. Level four and level five is interpreting the meaning. What's the meaning of this experience? Classic example of how it can go wrong. A little girl gets molested and in the process, she felt pleasure. She didn't ask for it. It was confusing. It was traumatizing. But physically, like if I put sugar on your tongue, yeah, it doesn't matter whether I'm a terrorist or whether I'm your husband or whether yeah. I, if I put sugar on your tongue, it's going to taste sweet. And so frequently when a child gets molested, it will, they'll feel physical pleasure. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And that's confusing. Yeah. And it's confusing. And especially if the enemy is in there whispering lies, a very, very common interpretation is, well, I enjoyed it. So I must somehow, I must have wanted it. I must, I, I like, because I enjoyed it, somehow I must have wanted it. And I must have, and like, I participated. I'm bad and dirty and shameful because, because I enjoyed it. And you can see, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. You know, as an adult who's not being molested, you can think, oh, no, sweetheart, that's the wrong, that's no, that's, that's, that's not a correct interpretation of the experience. But there's millions of people who've been molested, who that's a part of the trauma. Yeah. Now, one of the things that make the memory traumatic is that they conclude the, the, the meaning they got out of it was, oh, I'm disgusting and bad and dirty too, because I enjoyed it. Right. And so there, Jesus, can you please, you know, we know you were there. We welcome your presence. Help her to perceive your presence there. Oh, well, Jesus is there with me. He's right beside me. And he'll, he'll tell them, and this is what's so cool. You can talk to their adult self. Their adult self can read the whole book about sexual abuse. Oh, yeah, they totally understand the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. It wasn't my fault. I was just a little girl. But when they go inside the memory with a little girl, like the traumatic content is still inside the memory. And 
all that cognitive knowledge goes somewhere else. So it's gone. And yeah. It's, it's lost. And that little girl in the memory, she feels I'm disgusting and bad and shameful because I enjoyed it. Well, Jesus, he goes inside the memory. So when the woman is inside the memory, they're there. They're the little girl inside the memory. Jesus is in the inside the memory with her. She's five years old and he's there with her. And he tells her, no, sweetheart, you were just a little girl. That's just the way, that's just the way your body works. That had nothing to do with you wanting it or participating. It wasn't your fault. He's inside the memory. He tells her that two, he tells her two sentences. She says, Oh, that feels true. Yeah. I don't feel dirty and shameful anymore. Yeah. It just releases her from the trauma. So that's the short version. The, the long version, there's an essay on my website that's 100 pages long about the pain processing pathway. So the long version, if anybody wants more details, there's each step is discussed in a whole lot more detail. But that was like a, a short overview of just touching on an example from each of those stages. Wow, I absolutely love hearing Dr. Lehman talk about these precious men and women's experiences with Jesus and how he comes through for them and, and heals their trauma. I have mentioned in the first episode of this podcast with Dr. Lehman how powerful the Emmanuel approach has been in my own personal life and how much I've seen it work and come through for other women who've gone through sexual betrayal or even just dear friends of mine who were distressed and needed help moving forward and moving through. I love the fact that it is not about Dr. Lehman's genius, my genius, or anybody else's intelligence. It's about helping men and women connect with the heart of Jesus and truly allowing God to direct and heal whatever it is that this person needs to hear. If you're interested in learning more about the Emmanuel Approach, I encourage you to go to Dr. Lehman's website, emmanuelapproach.com. And I just encourage you to look more into experiencing Emmanuel Approach. It is amazing. 